Welcome aboard, my fellow shipmates. This week on the Moorpark Raider Fantasy Mutiny, we have a special guest. Kidnapped from Gilligan's Island, we're sailing with the fantasy professor himself, Mario Mejia. How you doing today, man? Doing great, Rob. How are you? I'm doing good. You want to tell the people a little bit about your fantasy background, how you've been doing so far? Well, this is my 11th year playing fantasy. Um, I've had a couple of championships over the, over my years of playing, I think uh, four at this point in different various leagues. Uh, and my one league that I do care about in the league with my best friends that I've been in for uh, 11 years now, I'm a whopping two and three. And uh, <laughs> That's not great. <laughs> yeah. Some choppy waters out there this year. I managed to draft what is a possibly the biggest bust of the year in OJ Howard. I had a big I was a big believer in the Bucks, being a Bucks homer that I am. Every year I draft Jameis Winston and somehow think it's going to turn out differently and uh week to week you just never know with that guy. But I think at this point it is pretty safe to say that Howard has been a big bust. Yeah, it's tough man. I'm a I'm a Colts fan, so it's I get it like you want to buy on in on the team that you love and I actually it's funny after Andrew Luck retired, I I like kind of didn't believe as much in my crew, so I didn't draft any of them, but I was pretty excited. If Andrew Luck was there, I would take a lot of Colts early, so I get it. Um, one thing I wanted to discuss was uh, the PPR formats that we're actually going to be talking about today. So we're talking about a 10 to 12 team PPR format, and that's going to be full points for all PPR. And then everything else is going to be basically regular scoring. So throwing touchdowns are going to be four points, rushing touchdowns, six points etc etc so no no crazy changes in this one so this is going to be your typical 10 to 12 team ppr so with the fantasy professor this week we're going to kind of go through like our starts our sits our upgrades and downgrades for all the matchups we got going on for the nfl week six and one way we're going to do this uh throw a little bit of like some raider zest onto our segment and we're going to change a lot of these titles so if you think you want to start them we're going to say receive the booty for that player if you think you're going to bench them, we're going to walk the plank with that player. If you're downgrading them for the week, but you'd still play them, they're mopping the poop deck. And if it's somebody that you think has an upgrade for the week that usually is in your bench, but you, you're thinking about starting them, kind of like a queasy, scurvy, ridden start. You don't feel great about it when you're watching them in your flex, but you are excited to have that upgrade. We're going to call that keeping an eye out from the crow's nest or a crow's nest eye on them. And if you flat out want to drop them off your team, we're calling that dropping the anchor on them. We're going to bootstrap bill them. They are going home or to Davy Jones's locker. Let's put it that way. So, yeah, we got a lot of we got a lot of football this week. This week, we have an early 630 a.m. London game. So don't forget to set your lineups either Saturday night or set that alarm super early. Um, we got the your your home team, your favorite, the Buccaneers taking on the Panthers. Is there anyone in this one that's receiving full confidence for you, Mario? Outside of Chris Godwin, it's really hard to trust any of the Bucks this week. If Mike Evans is on your team, you might you more than likely have to start him. Uh, I don't see him getting another goose egg, but I think he's in for another tough matchup with some great corners on him this week. Personally, I think that if you're in a league with him where the owner's a little hesitant, doesn't have the confidence in him that uh, he probably shouldn't have at this point given last week's goose egg, wait until after this weekend because you'll probably be able to buy low on the guy. And better days are ahead for Evans, just not this week. Yeah, so you, he's a downgrade for you. He's mopping the poop deck. It oh, sounds like hundred percent, hundred percent. And then so to to receive the booty, you still you got full confidence in Chris Godwin. I don't see how you couldn't at this point. The guy's the number one receiver in most PPR formats right now, and uh, it all of the metrics everybody talked about in the preseason seem to be right. He is an ascending star and a top ten wide receiver in my opinion. Yeah, he's he's a stud. I wish I bought on. Uh, it's exciting to see a player evolve into the person that or the player that he's becoming. Um, I definitely wish I had a piece of that. 
So it sounds like we're pretty much in agreement for that one. Chris Godwin is a definite receive the booty, and Mike Evans is a definite mop, m- mopping the poop deck, and maybe buy low candidate. Is there anyone that you're you're keeping a crow's nest eye on that you think's a little bit of an upgrade this week? Uh, Ronald Jones has seen an uptick in snaps and touches. I think that trend could continue this week against Carolina. He is somewhat game script dependent. The The Panthers do have a couple of talented wideouts out there that could run up the score early if Tampa's not careful. But I think the Tampa defense does have enough in him to keep the game close. Shaq Barrett has been one of the most terrorizing presences on defense this year. Yeah, if he does, if he gets in there and disrupts a little more, they can keep and they keep the game close and somewhat of a grind fest. I could see Ronald Jones getting upwards of fifteen to twenty carries, which you know what should lead to some decent production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's. Uh, I think in comparison to what Peyton Barber is putting out there, I think Peyton Barber is kind of the irrelevant for fantasy. In the sense that, like, you really need him to score that touchdown. He He's someone you can pray for to get a touchdown and get you that 10 points. He actually struggled to crack 10 points this week, even with the six points of a touchdown. That being said, it, it I definitely, if I had my pickings, I would I would look for Ronald Jones and I would trust him. I could not give my trust to Peyton Barber. He's, he'd be one that's walking the plank for me. How about you? Yeah, I agree. And just the eyeball test outside of the stats that he just doesn't look good when he's running the ball. Ronald Jones has shown flashes so far this year where he looks like a competent NFL running back. His biggest issue has been his pass protection, which does keep him off the field at times and brings in a Gumbawali if they do get into a negative game script. So if he do, if he can just actually get his uh pass protection down a little bit better you just see him on the field more which should lead to production yeah it was a scary year his first year he was looking like a bus he's definitely evolved in his second year so that's looking good um one person who are two people i think are also walking the plank i'd say are Jameis winston and oj howard for this one um we talked about it a little bit earlier but carolina is a is a really good defense they're they're really good against the pass they've faced Goff, Jameis, Kyler, Deshaun, and Minshew Mania, and they still rank 26 against the pass. So Jameis, Jameis struggled with 13.22 fantasy points against his team when they played in week two. So he might be someone that I would look to fade this week. Jameis isn't a streamer I necessarily touch, trust. And then Howard, as you talked about, the bust, he is he's basically droppable at this point. Um, he's non-existent in Bruce Arians' offense. Who he doesn't like to use tight ends, and we hoped, we prayed, but it, it didn't happen. And his buys next week, and basically you can ditch him and move on. Yeah, more than likely you're moving on from Howard at this point, unless you're in a league where people hoard tight ends, like my league. Uh, so I unfortunately am going to be holding on to Howard through the buy and hoping that at some point his talent emerges over uh, his lack of targets and Bruce Arians' play calling. But who knows? We we shall see. You're you're a kinder man than I. I am bootstrap billing uh, OJ Howard. So moving on for the Panthers. So one person I'm kind of trying to put a little bit confidence on is going to be Greg Olson. Uh, I think he's going to receive the booty for me in this one. I know he struggled this week. He put up a goose egg, but it was a bad week for tight ends. And and this week, uh, Tampa Bay actually ranked second against tight ends, according to Yahoo scoring, essentially. And not only did Tampa Bay rank second, but they've actually played them before in week two. And Greg Olson was able to put 17 points up that week. So it is a... a tight end or a position that you can actually really hone in on against Tampa Bay. That's not one of their strong suits. And Greg Olson has had good games before. You do have to trust a little bit in Kyle Allen and the Panthers offense consistently. And that's a little bit scary, but Kyle Allen's at least shown confidence through what he's played so far. 
What do you think on that, Mario? The Bucks have been generous to most pass catchers this year, and tight ends notwithstanding. I see Greg Olson having a big bounce back day. Kyle Allen has shown that he does appreciate Greg Olson's ability to cut across the middle and keep the chains moving. I see him getting fed decently and having a nice solid day. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Um, moving forward, the person I would downgrade, and this might be fantasy blasphemy, but uh, there's a little bit of a downgrade for me this week on Christian McCaffrey. Now, before you start turning off the podcast and everything, the, here's my one defense to it, is you're definitely starting Christian McCaffrey. Hands down, best running back there is right now in the game. But be ready to downgrade expectations because Christian McCaffrey has actually played the Buccaneers before, like we said, in week two. And they are one of the better defenses. They, they rank 30th against the run. And when Christian McCaffrey played them in week two, he only put up 7.3 fantasy points. So they do know this team really well and they knew how to stop him, how to slow him down, essentially make him look more human. Don't get me wrong. I actually expect him to do better in the rematch. Um, but I wouldn't bank on those 40 points that he's putting up consistently, which is absolutely nuts. That was Kyle Allen's first start, so the Bucks were able to dedicate quite a bit of energy into just shutting McCaffrey down, which is what they did. I don't see them able to do that again in this matchup. Allen has become more competent. He has looked better in each start, and I could see them having a much more balanced game. Um, with that being said, uh, they're going to be able to set up McCaffrey to get the ball in space where he likes it, and I see him having a great game, maybe not the best game of the year that he's had, but I can I can easily see him still being clear-cut number one running back. Yeah, I actually got a little bit of a friendly wager with another buddy. Uh, if the Bucks can hold him to under 30 points, which sounds absolutely nuts, but 30 points is kind of, I, I win the wager. So that's kind of what I'm going for. I'm hoping for a sub-30 Christian McCaffrey day. I think it'll be a sub-30 day. I'll take that. All right, so speaking of competent Kyle Allen, he would be the next person I am actually walking the plank on. Um, as well as Kyle Allen's played for NFL, he's not really necessarily a fantasy asset that I think is worth rostering unless you're streaming in like two quarterback leagues, depending on something like that, a super flex. But there, for one quarterback standard 10 to 12 leagues, he's not someone I would be streaming in this position. What about you? Depending on your roster construction, uh, probably not. Uh there, there should be better options out there, but you never know. Um, I, I keep mentioning my uh, my league of record in that it's a little wonky compared to most, and I'm sure we all deal with this on some level in some leagues over the course of years. In that my my league hoards quarterbacks, and I would not be the least bit surprised to see somebody starting Kyle Allen this week because there are multiple people in my league that roster two or three quarterbacks. Yeah, no, you're not alone. My my our other buddy Nick, who will probably be coming on the podcast in future segments, he was talking about the same thing. He's He's been just like juggling Andy Dalton, Josh Allen. Like he's had some, luckily Josh Allen's is one of his favorites, but he's had some struggles finding a quarterback to stream each week. It's, I mean, it's tough living out there. There's definitely some uh, leagues that really highly value quarterbacks. It's kind of crazy because this week I was able to pick up Kyler Murray off the waiver after someone had dropped him. Wow. And I was ecstatic about it. And I, I would be too. Wow. Yeah. For a future pick, I also grabbed Breeze. The quarterback position, I, I guess I'm a quarterback hoarder thinking about it, but the quarterback position is my one weakness on my team that I really want to kind of hammer out. So going forward with Prescott, Murray, and Breeze, like I can just play the matchups and I really like that. 
Well, at some point, depending on the size of your league, it just comes down to position scarcity. And if you've got everyone in the league deciding that they need two of these guys, then it gets really thin on that waiver wire. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Especially with buys yeah. and injuries. It's been a pretty brutal year. Moving forward, uh, keeping a crow's nest eye out in this matchup for the Panthers, it's going to be the Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore. Um, both Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore took a hit when Cam Newton got injured. So the production and the potency of the offense did go down a little bit with Kyle Allen leading the helm. But Kyle Allen has shown competency in the NFL, and he's actually been pretty good. Samuel has seen a consistent six targets each game, so it's keeping his fantasy value afloat. Um, but the productivity for the both of them is a little bit scary. DJ Moore, he kind of saw a little bit more this week. He went from two to five to eight targets. So hopefully Allen continues to look for more, and it's closer to that eight-target range. So both of these are are wide receivers that you can feel decently comfortable in your flex play, but they have been a little bit back and forth, so we'll kind of see how that goes in this game. I'm a big believer in uh, the talent of Curtis Samuel. I think uh, he had an amazing offseason and preseason, and it's he's been unfortunately been derailed to two, due to Cam's injury. I think this is the potential breakout game. If you can buy low on the guy, I would go after him this week. I think this is the week that he's gonna uh, his value is gonna skyrocket. Or if you want to move him, I would wait until after this week because his his value might be at an all time high after this week. And Tampa has given up an average of forty seven points to opposing wide receivers so far this season. And other than Moore and Samuel, there aren't going to be a lot of pass catching opportunities to go around for the rest of that wide receiver core. So I see them both having potentially big weekends. Yeah, I mean Tampa Bay ranks fifth easiest against wide receivers. Um, I don't know if I'd say I'm as confident. And you, I really like Curtis Samuel's skill, and he did seem like he was getting consistency with Kyle Allen. But this last week, he kind of took a back seat to DJ Moore, and and that's kind of what scares me is just that they both kind not eat into each other, but they they both go back and forth. I, I really did think uh, Curtis Samuel was going to take over once Kyle Allen. It was kind of the deep ball specialist essentially. He was the guy that was getting those targets, and DJ Moore looked like he was fading. But after this eight-target performance, uh, DJ Moore did make himself uh, known in the offense, essentially. All right. So on to the next game. We got the Seahawks and the Browns in Cleveland. Who are some people you think are receiving the booty for the Seahawks over here? Well, given the Cleveland looking like they're in a free fall, or I should say the Cleveland Browns are who we thought they were, weren't, because <laughs> this year everybody was high on the, on the Browns. They were, uh, I think, projected to under over in Vegas was almost 10 wins. Uh, Nick Chubb and Mayfield and OBJ were all hot names at most drafts. A lot of people overpaid for them if you're in an auction league. So glad I didn't. <laughs> same, same here. Uh, outside of Chubb, it's been pretty rough for those Browns. Uh, so a big part of that is because their defense has not been that stout. I, I would be very confident in starting all of the major players from Seattle, Russell Wilson, Carson, uh, Lockett and Disley, all I see or I can see all of them having very nice days. Yeah, no, definitely. I, Russell Wilson's having an MVP season. Tyler Lockett and Disley are two of his favorite targets. Um, the only person I think would be a little bit of a downgrade, maybe mopping the deck for me, is Chris Carson. He, don't get me wrong, I love Chris Carson. I still believe in him. Um, he is actually one of my running backs on my team. He's getting 27 rushing attempts this last week. He, that's Derrick Henry level volume. So. That is great to see. Uh, but for PPR, those 118 yards on the ground, that only gets you 11.8 fantasy points, which is what he had. 
his night was kind of bolstered by that game-winning fourth-quarter five-yard touchdown. So going into it, I wasn't super excited about his score. And then when he finally got that touchdown, that boosted and gave it another seven and a half points. So it was obviously awesome to see, but that kind of makes me a little bit nervous. And I don't know, the, the Browns... The Browns did get run on this week by the Niners, so they did show that they can do it. Um, it's just kind of a, a wait and see and hoping for that touchdown. The, I, I love Cars, Chris Carson on the ground, but for PPR formats, he does is a running back, almost like Mark Ingram, who is also my other running back, but who scares me with how little they, they catch the ball. They, but he's doing a lot better than compared to last year, which is great. Carson has been involved from time to time in the passing game, but I, I honestly see it being a much more balanced attack. Uh, Cleve- Cleveland isn't abysmal against the run. If you looked at the the stats from uh, their game against the Niners this weekend, it looks a little skewed. Give, consider that 83 of, the, of those yards came on one uh, amazing Matt Breida run. Yeah, so the stats aren't quite as bad as they as they would make you believe um, when you t- if you factor out that one play. But they clearly have demonstrated that they can be run on. Um, and San Francisco is a com- comparable in terms of the ability to move the ball uh, on the ground. I-, I I could see Chris Carson having a solid day if they commit to giving him the ball. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, Chris Carson, if game flow does work in the way that we think, where Seahawks kind of have a more dominant performance in terms of their offense and their defense just basically outplaying the Cleveland Browns, then, yeah, he actually, honestly, thinking over and over, Chris Carson could could definitely receive the booty in this one for that volume and the game flow if it flows towards him. But just keep an eye out because, like we're saying, the, that 7.5 points really does help your score off of one play at the very last drive. Without it, uh, it's just a mediocre fantasy day for Carson last week. Um, a guy that I kind of want to keep a crow's nest eye on for me is DK Metcalf. How do you like DK Metcalf's uh, prospects in this one? Well, the guy is just a physical monster, and uh, I could see him percent body fat. Yep. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to look at somebody with those those tools and that natural amount of talent, the combination of speed and power, and not think that if you get the ball in his hands, good things will happen. Uh, I could see him really tearing up that defense if he manages to get the ball in space where he likes to operate uh specifically on the outside he he runs the uh the post routes quite well and uh if he gets the ball where he wants it he can easily take one to the house yeah that dude he's six foot three inches and blazing speed it's a it's a great target for russell to hit um him and lockett i think are just gonna have really good seasons dk metcalf won't be as consistent obviously and so that's why he's more of a crow's nest eye that we're keeping an eye on but uh, yeah, he's he's definitely showed his own so far as a rookie, and it's been impressive for him to have even flex value at this point, which is really awesome. Um, now moving on to the Browns, is there anyone on the Brown squad that you're willing to give the booty to? Well, I mentioned him earlier, and uh, obviously Nick Chubb is a guy that uh, you have to have in your lineup when if he's on your team, you're gonna start to go no matter what. And I would have decent expectations for him against the team. Seattle has not been uh, great against the run. They've kind of a uh, middle of the road in, uh, in terms of rankings. I think there's something like 14th or 15th. I could see him posting uh, not as quite not not quite the monstrous day he had two weeks ago. But if if the if the game script calls for it and the the score is tight, 
they'll they'll keep feeding him the ball. Uh, it, it's he's proven to be their best offensive weapon and the best way for them to move the chains. Uh, Mayfield has been struggling quite a bit, so why not just continue to feed Chubb if he can get production out of him in the uh, against Seattle? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of these games for the Browns, they've kind of gotten away from him. So I kind of understand moving from Chubb, but they definitely need to feed him early. He's He's been their biggest cog in the machine that like really moves the offense, which is, I don't, I don't understand why you wouldn't continue to feed him. His, his yards per carry are, are nuts. He's actually getting over 16 rushing attempts a game. So it's, it's decent volume. And he, in every outing, he's put up ele- over 11 points. So that's really good. He, he ranks as the ninth running back just behind Mark Ingram. So it's, it's honestly not bad if, in terms of if you're saying that's the floor, which is, I think around 10.9 he put up the last week. Like that's a, that's a really solid floor. And then you're just hoping for something better off of that. Obviously, he's not going to have that three touchdown game like he did against Baltimore every week, but somewhere in the middle of those two, that that's quite a good running back one, I would say. So for me, um, I'm going to say walking the plank is Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker honestly shouldn't be owned in leagues at, at this point for me. Like we said, we do have some quarterback hoarding leagues. And so take into account your own league. But he's yet to reach 17 points in any game this season. And his future matchups are absolutely brutal. Uh, after Seattle, he has a bye. Then he returns for New England, Denver, Buffalo, and Pittsburgh. All tremendous against the pass. He might be a sneaky streamer come playoff time. But I wouldn't even look at him besides weeks 14 through 16 and the one week that he plays Miami in week 12. All right, moving forward to the mopping the poop deck is Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry for me. Do you got any uh, changes on that for me or are you in agreement? Well, I think if you have either one, you're starting both. And here's why. Landry has, whether he was vocal behind the scenes in the locker room or not, has seen an increase in his target share over the last few weeks. And until OBJ is OBJ uh, behind the scenes, it's probably going to continue. Landry is a talented wide receiver who deserves to, uh, who can move the chains for the team just as effectively as Chubb if given the opportunity. And you've seen it, uh, though the though the team hasn't performed well on the field, they've been making it a point to getting him more involved. If they can somehow put it all together, they have the talent to to be a great offense. That's why was so many people were high on the team going into the season. I think what it really comes down to is Mayfield wasn't ready to ascend. In spite of that, you're going to start Landry and OBJ because more often than not, and and I, I always had the, the wrong running debate of talent over opportunity. What, uh, what do you value the most? And I always go with talent. OBJ obviously being a top five wide receiver, and I see Landry as a potential top 20 wide receiver if they get the opportunity and Mayfield gets on the ball where they want it. I think you start both of them, but you should temper expectations because of the guy delivering the ball to them. Yeah. Not not only that, the O-line, man. The O-line has just been struggling. And, and yeah. Baker Baker's struggling to find time behind that pocket. Um, he's scrambling constantly. So don't put it on OBJ. It hasn't been his fault or the wide receiver's fault. It's just the offense isn't getting it to them the way that they would have hoped. Um, and that's why they're mopping the poop deck. They're definitely still playable assets. It's just people that I would downgrade this week. Um, OBJ obviously always has the possibility to take a slant 80 yards to the house, and that's what makes him special. But um, in this offense, it just hasn't happened. Those catches haven't been as meaningful as in past years. And so it's been tough these last three games. He's had low performances. Um, in week one, he actually put up 14 points against a similarly tough Titans defense. So, I mean, if, if you get 14 points out of him, that's something that you could actually sigh of relief compared to the last three games that he's put up 
So yeah, it's 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 an interesting debate in the sense that I almost trust Jarvis Landry as a wide receiver three more than I'm trusting OBJ as a wide receiver one these days. And I know that kind of sounds like blasphemy, but if you've been rolling OBJ out, you are you've had a struggling year this year, and he's starting to come down a little bit just because that offensive line hasn't given me any confidence. And he's a high upside wide receiver two for me at this point, just because name and talent, you can't just look at those two alone. You ne- you need an offense that feeds you the ball as a wide receiver, unfortunately. Moving on. So the third game for the morning slate, it's going to be your Texans versus the Chiefs at Airhead. And that one should be a fun shootout. Um, Obviously, the Texans, Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller all receiving the booty, especially after Will Fuller's monster game this last week. Um, He's a player that I'm excited for. With Kenny Stills out of the lineup, it obviously showed that he was able to get a lot more of those deeper passes. So if Kenny Stills remains out, the three of them should be all good starts. How do you think on that, Mario? Um, I think that uh, you're obviously starting starting Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and and Will Fuller. I don't know if he's entered must-start territory at this point, but you more than likely have to make a decision with him and someone else in one of your flex positions. Yeah, I agree. Where I would be more confident in him than I've been in the past. His injuries history is always going to be something to be concerned with, but so was his target share. He was always a big play waiting to happen, and that's why yeah. you that's why you put him in. But he had 14 receptions in this last game, which I'm sure is a career high, uh, and that's just not something you ever saw before was volume to go with the big playability that he clearly has. Um, I think eventually he's going to come back down to earth somewhat in the target share. Uh, it could be as early as this week because DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that does command attention. And eventually I think he's going to start getting fed a little bit more by Watson. But uh, at this point, I think Will Fuller is more than likely a high end wide receiver three flex play that could that does have the potential to, to be a top 12 wide receiver week to week, depending on those big plays that usually come for him. Yeah, I, I would actually completely agree. The The thing with Will Fuller for me is in a harder matchup, you're right, I probably wouldn't trust him as much. But luckily, it's another good one against the Chiefs. And obviously, they're going to want to shoot out or kind yeah, of game script is going to probably in, have them very least going punch for punch. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, with Pat Mahomes on the other side, you want to impress just as much. So I wouldn't be surprised if a few deep balls or trick plays get out there with the Texans as well. Um, so someone I'm keeping a crow's nest eye on, that's going to be Kiki Cutie and Carlos Hyde. As long as Kenny Stills remains out, he he has value. And that's the only way Kiki Cutie has value. So you got to keep an eye out for the Kenny Stills injury report this week. Um, he would definitely be a shaky, shaky flex play, I would I would consider. But um, hopefully you probably have better options on the on the other side of that. But Carlos Hyde, Hyde's fantasy points have, have ranged from 9 to 12 points, and it hasn't been great. But this is Hyde's easiest run defense he's had to face so far this season. And he just got 21 touches this last week against the Texans. So I do trust Hyde a lot more than I trust Duke Johnson, who's basically someone I'm 100% willing to walk the the plank on essentially. Um, how are you feeling on Carlos Hyde for that one? Well, I think the NFL is a copycat league, and the Colts showed the rest of the league how to defeat the Chiefs. Um, you keep Mahomes off the field. They dominated time of possession last week, 37 minutes to 22, uh, by feeding Mac 29 times for 132 yards. Uh, he was averaging 18 carries a game going into the contest. 
So that was a big up, nearly 34% uptick in his touches. I think the Texans are going to try to turn it into a grind fest and slowly keep dominate time of possession, move the chains, which can mean that they increase touches for Hyde, as well as Cutie, who is a PPR short yardage machine when healthy and on the field. I could see both of them having better days than they've had. Um, if the if the Texans do want to turn it into a slower game and a grinder the way the Colts did last week. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And that's why we're keeping a crow's nest eye on them. Um, on to the next person. We kind of touched upon it a little bit, for me at least. Duke Johnson is someone I'm definitely willing to walk the plank on. Um, Duke Ron- Johnson's rushing has kind of been between 30 to maybe like 60 yards a game, and he's receiving less rushing attempts each week than... Uh, Carlos Hyde and he's supposed to be this PPR specialist but he's only averaging three targets a game and it it has not been he's even less appealing because the floor for him is even lower than Carlos Hyde for me how do you feel on that Uh, honestly I I think Duke Johnson is droppable at this point he hasn't seen enough uh, production in Houston to warrant being rostered Deshaun Watson has never been a guy who relies on using his running backs as safety valves to keep the ball moving he's more of a of a tight end or he's kind of a, um, a knockout punch artist when it comes to how he approaches the, the offense. I don't see Duke Johnson, you know, being productive in this game or really for the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. Let's, I think it's time to uh, bootstrap bill him and drop him to Davy Jones's locker, put him back on that waiver for you. All right. So moving forward, we got the chiefs. They, they had a surprising upset last week. Um, the Colts, my Colts, Indianapolis, they were able to, Muscle it out against them, and I, I loved watching every minute of it, but they look for them to bounce back in a shootout against the Texans. Um, Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are obviously people that receive the booty for me weekly, regardless of what's going on, maybe except for New England. There's not really a matchup that scares me. So Mahomes did tweak his ankle, so that's something to keep up on, um, but he played the entire game. So hopefully you think he'll be good to go for week six. Tyreek Hill was probably the next person in line that would receive the booty if he plays. The wide receiver core has been decimated as of right now. You got Sammy Watkins hurt as well, so he's going to jump right back into that lead role, and I think he's going to command targets. If he is on the field, he will get his targets. How do you feel on all three of those? Uh, I think you have to start all three of them you know, yeah. if they're in the lineup. The, again, I always go with talent over anything else. And, and though Tyreek Hill has not been on the field, uh, he's you know a big play waiting to happen. Even if his touches are somewhat limited, he only needs one or two to take it to the house. Definitely. So a questionable starter, the only questionable people on the Chiefs for me are going to be, I'm keeping a crow's nest eye on Damian Williams and Sammy Watkins if he plays. So you got to check in on his status. But... Damian Williams is kind of getting back into the swing of things, and he's already outsnapped LaShawn McCoy. So Houston does have one of the easier run defenses. They're ranked ninth against them. And I would take the risk of playing Williams in this offense against a plus matchup, even if the Chiefs haven't fully committed to him just yet. Um, it wasn't exactly the most productive week this last week, but the Colts had a special game plan and they were able to execute. I don't think the Texans' defense is going to be able to do the same thing the Colts were. Sammy Slammy's the other one. He's he's the injured guy, so you got to keep an eye out. Um, if he does play, his big blow-up game came when Tyreek Hill was getting the number one defensive attention. So it'll be interesting to see if that trend repeats itself. Watkins has had success as the number two wide receiver in this offense before, and Houston's defense is vulnerable this year, ranking seventh against the pass. So if Sammy Watkins is able to play and practice just fine, then he's someone I'm gonna I'm gonna look for. 
But definitely keep injury in mind. If he has been limited all week, maybe that's someone you fade because he does have that injury history. Yeah, given his injury and, and that it's a more soft tissue, which is what has plagued Sammy throughout his career, uh, I'd be pretty wary of of starting him at this point. Uh, it, it only takes one bad route run or an awkward fall for him to be out of the game. Uh, so if you have something that you think is a little with a safer floor, uh, maybe not the big playability that Sammy does have, I would uh, I'd play that other person. Yeah, definitely. A little high risk, high reward. Um, I honestly, I tend to, when it comes to soft and tissue injury, I agree. I I tend to be on the safer side, but man, Sammy Watkins has got to be one of the most frustrating wide receivers to own. Cause like, unless you played him in that big week one blowout, you haven't gotten the same thing. So it just hurts when you see those 42 points on your bench. Like I've owned Sammy Watkins so often in so many leagues, uh, and I didn't this year and I was kicking myself after that week one. And now I just, uh, you know, I'm thankful that I finally moved on. I was able to quit Sammy this year. <laughs> yeah, he's once you get burned, it's it's hard to go back. And I, he's someone I haven't been interested in ever. But he'll always have successful days that'll hurt me as well. Yeah, it's a, he's he's a talented wide receiver, but you know, injury and uh, opportunity aren't always uh, don't always play into your talent. Yeah. Moving forward, I think Demarcus Robinson and Mikael Hardman they kind of walk the plank or. Um, they they kind of go back to little to no value. Someone you could probably bootstrap Bell and drop to Davy Jones's locker. Uh, as the third wide receivers on this team, there's just so much abundance of riches and options that go before them that they're just not going to get the same looks with everybody coming back healthy. Between one of them and uh, Brian Pringle, you know, someone's probably going to be productive, but yeah. who knows which one at this point? It's, exactly, who's touching the ball? Yeah, it's it's Russian roulette. It's not worth taking a guess on. Um, one person I'm not quite ready to walk the plank on, but is they're still kind of like mopping the poop deck for me as a shaky flex starter. That's going to be LaShawn McCoy. I got him a little downgraded for this one. Um, TDs have kind of been what made Shady's valuable, uh, especially with Damian Williams out of the mix. But now that he's back to resume his role as, as basically the guy and LaShawn McCoy kind of coming in from time to time, those opportunities are d- diminished. And you hold out hope that McCoy is a good change of pace back that still gets value in such a prolific offense. It's definitely possible, but I wouldn't want to use McCoy as a flex play. If I had to given the circumstances, he, if I had to, I get it, but that's what makes him kind of a queasy scurvy start for me. It wouldn't be super fun watching that one. Andy Reid has mentioned that, uh, his snap count is, is been as low as it has been because he hasn't figured out all of the pass protection assignments quite yet. So if he stays healthy and does manage to get those down, he could have an uptick in touches. But until that happens or you see it on the field, I would be wary of starting him. Definitely. All right. For our fourth game, we got the Redskins at the Dolphins. Uh, ew. Hopefully you don't have too many fantasy players on either squad. Someone's got to score. Yeah. Someone's got to score. It's going to yeah, happen. Luckily, you got two bad defenses, which is good. Good for fantasy in a sense. Um, Scary Terry is basically the only person on the Redskins that fully receives the booty for me in this game. Um, he's been a stud through the first three weeks. Uh, even though New England shut him down, it is New England, and that's just what they do. They take away your best option. But the matchup against Miami is obviously a plus matchup for the number one wide receiver, and hopefully he ha- he finds chemistry with whoever they put out there to start the game. And I don't think there's any disagreements on Scary Terry. He's been amazing. 
Yeah, uh, Terry uh, has been uh, leading the, the Redskins in air yards, and he looks like the real deal. I only see him getting better as the season goes on. It's just a matter of can they keep their offense on the field and actually move the ball. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I, there was an opportunity to grab him off the waiver for me, and I just could not trust the Redskins. I just couldn't do it. I took someone else. I actually have DJ Chark instead, so it's weird trusting the Jaguars over the Redskins, but that's the world we live in these days. It is it is. Slim pickings for them waiver wires. Oh yeah, I had a bit in him week one, in for him on week one, but I prioritized John Ross over him, so Ooh. that worked out well for one week for me. <laughs> uh, cool. So purple people were keeping an eye on from the crow's nest, at least for me, uh, as scurvy flex starts. I would say Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson the most, and then a little bit of Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson just for how bad these defenses are. Um, again, this is going to be roster-based, so Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson is not someone I would ever start on my roster, but if you tend to be in a thinner league, a 12-person league, and you're struggling, and you're just looking for a streamer, Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson might fill that void just this week because it is the Dolphins. But for Thompson and Peterson, there's definitely a little bit of value to be had out of the running backs here with the Redskins. Thompson, for me, I think is is a better play than Peterson in this one based on previous production so far this season. Thompson is a consistent 10 points or more in every game this week, but this might be the first game the Redskins are not trailing by a large deficit. So Peterson might actually get more running than usual, but Thompson's consistency keeps him more valuable to me. There are rumblings out of Washington that one of the contributing factors that led to Gruden losing the buy-in of the team and subsequently being sent to J.V. Jones' locker was the healthy scratch he put on AP earlier in the season. I think this could be a game where AP gets fed the ball and have some serious opportunity against a Dolphin team that's giving up 39 points per game to opposing running backs. I'm sure some of that will go to Thompson, but in order to make a, as a good as a feel-good move for the team, uh, I could see them feeding the ball to Peterson. I can't. I, I like that interjection. Hold your horses. Stop everything. I disagree with what you're saying, and we're taking our hard stands on this one. So we got a little something coming up for where we disagree on, and that's going to be our pirate pickle bets, essentially. And this one's going to be, to add a little fun to the league, essentially, is where we both make our hard stands on our bets on each side, and we're willing to bet a pirate punishment of pickling, essentially. So for every time, it's going to be a friendly wager, and for every time we get it wrong, at the end of the episode, what we'll do is we'll bring in a pickled product, essentially, for each person to have to eat. So somewhere along the lines of either sauerkraut or pickled eggs or even as bad as pickled feet. Whatever the other person chooses to bring in, as long as it's a pickled item and the other person has to punishly eat it. Here's here's going to be the, the caveat to it, though, is... Whatever you dish out, get ready to receive it back on the next week. So we'll kind of start increasing punishments. We'll see how confident we're feeling. But this, I think this is a good one to take a pickle pirate bet for on Chris Thompson outscoring Adrian Peterson. What do you say on that? Hmm. Well, uh, I think Peterson's going to get fed the ball. So I could see an opportunity where he does outproduce Chris Thompson this week. You're in? You want to do the pirate pickle bet? I'm in. Let's All right. Do it. Perfect. I, right. Man, if you get that lucky touchdown or two in this matchup, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> but I definitely think the, the safer four play for me is going to be Thompson. So that's why I trust it a little bit more. All right. We're in. So we got our next matchup. We got the Dolphins. Um, for the Dolphins, there is nobody fully receiving the booty for me in this one. But there are some people I definitely want to keep a crow's nest eye on. Because of the matchup. And the people for me are going to be Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, and Kenyon Drake. 
in that order. From anyone on that list, you're kind of hoping or expecting for 10 points in your flex position, and that's kind of what you're shooting for. Is there something you think you want to add on all three of those guys for you? Uh, Washington ranks uh, fourth worst in points per game to wide receivers, and I, I'm a big believer in Preston Williams talent-wise. I have been for a long time. Uh, I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Devontae Parker, but I did give up on him finally this year, and I'm going to continue to do so. Considering that uh, Williams is leading the team in targets, this year, I, I would lean towards him if I was to pick up one of the two. If you have some injuries or need a bi-week filler, either one of them could be a nice draw. Uh, but again, I would lean towards Williams. Perfect. Yeah, it's good to hear that you're moving on from all these uh, wide receivers that have been so troubling in the past. Could yeah, just... these abusive relationships. If I could just quit Jameis, then yeah. I might actually have some success. <laughs> you're breaking ties. I like it. All right, perfect. We got our next morning game for you. The Eagles at the Vikings. And for the Eagles, receiving the booty, uh, we got Zach Ertz, essentially. So all, although the Vikings are a tough defense, they are beatable at the tight end position. They rank 11th against tight ends, and Zach Ertz was able to get you a touchdown this week. So he's someone that his productivity is is just too good to pass up on. He's always going to be a top tight end option for you. The Vikings have a very good rushing defense, and I could see them committing quite a bit to, to make sure that they slow down Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. Across the middle is where you can attack them, uh, and I could see Ertz having a very nice day. I, I'm looking at Ertz as potentially uh, a top three tight end this week, you know, bouncing back from the lack of productivity that they've had in the last few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that point, some people I definitely think are going to be walking the plank this week are going to be Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders. The Vikings, they like you said, they just shut down the run. Um, I believe they rank 29th against the run. And with these two backs both splitting carries, it limits their chances of productivity in a tough matchup. So both of them are kind of going to be fades for me this week, not someone I'm looking to start either way. Two people mopping the poop deck for us is going to be Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey. They're still startable fantasy assets, but expect a lower fantasy score for Carson Wentz, closer to the score he put up against Green Bay. Um, that was kind of 19 points and a similarly tough defense against the pass. And then Alshon, he's he's likely going to be shadowed by Xavier Rhodes. And although he's been peppered with targets, his his biggest asset is in his touchdown production. And with the tough matchup, I would be nervous to bet on that. Although it is entirely possible for him to get it, being one of Wentz's favorite targets, it's something that I would, like I said, downgrade expectations this week. Perfect. And so moving forward, we got the Vikings. Receiving the booty for this one is Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. Do you agree on that? Uh, I actually would downgrade Dalvin Cook this week. Um, I still think he's one of the best uh, running backs, and, and the, the Vikings have showed a commitment to feeding him this year. But last week we saw, due to some uh, off-the-field issues between Cousins and Thielen, uh, commit to getting Thielen the ball in space. I could see a similar thing this week for both Thielen and Diggs, considering that the Eagles' secondary is where you can get production and attack them. Their Eagles' run defense is legitimate. And if they continue to commit to shutting down Cook, I could see him having a mediocre day, possibly his worst day of the year. Wow. So is this kind of like my... Christian McCaffrey take where you you still start him no matter what, but you just downgrade expectations. I think I think so, um, but I think he'll have a worse day than Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I could agree with that. Man, it is. It does sound like blasphemy when you hear it from another person. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I I don't disagree with you. I just I just think both of these, like you said, Adam Thielen has been. Kind of the oil getting the squeaky wheel. He has been complaining, and he has he obviously got productivity out of this. We'll see if Stefan Diggs gets a little bit more this week. He obviously didn't last week, but 
I think that's the hardest part for me on Stefan Diggs, and that's why he's kind of a crow's nest uh, keeping an eye on. Because he he has had three easy matchups so far this season against top eight easiest defenses against wide receivers, and he still hasn't produced. He he is not as vital to this version of the Vikings as Thielen or Dalvin. So I I do think his complaining does get him a little bit more, but he's something I I wouldn't feel as confident on, obviously. Something has to give there. Either he has to start getting the ball in his hands or they got to move on from him because he's becoming somewhat volatile off the field. He did miss a practice last week because of his being unhappy. And you saw Thielen come out and he publicly shame his quarterback and it, which resulted in a great day for him this Sunday. Yeah. So uh, either you start getting him the ball or you move on. Yeah. I think I think with them it's we'll see how it goes because winning does cure all things and getting their first win against the Giants. Yeah, that's kind of an easier one, so not too difficult of a matchup, but if they keep finding ways to win and Stefan Diggs doesn't get the productivity he was expecting this year. That's going to be interesting if that keeps him happy enough or not. So we'll kind of kind of keep an eye on that moving forward. It's not keeping his fantasy owners happy, I'll tell you that much. No, it is not. <laughs> I I mean, especially for where you drafted him, he is a troubling wide receiver to own. Yeah, it's hard to start him with any kind of confidence at this point. Yeah, and so that's why for me he's he's – He's still got that name, and he's still someone you can put in your flex, but he he doesn't have the wide receiver two confidence you had when you started this season. All right, moving forward, we got the Saints at the Jaguars. For the Saints uh, receiving the booty, we got Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Michael Thomas is so consistent regardless of who's at quarterback for the matchup. Um, he's, he's basically never scored lower than 16 fantasy points any week this season, and he is having uh, another prolific season, so... Good to see that getting a new contract didn't change anything for him. He's going to continue to be the man that he's been all year. And Alvin Kamara, he's he's always a stud that you start. Just like Christian McCaffrey had success against Jacksonville, I think they're going to have to face Kamara this week. And, man, that is a defensive nightmare going back-to-back. Christian McCaffrey, then Alvin Kamara, the, they're not going to be ready to, to stop this man. So moving forward, we got the Jaguars. Receiving the booty, we got DJ Chark on that one. Um, for me, I'm loving DJ Chark. So DJ Chark is a solid wide receiver three, and and this is a plus matchup. He's been nothing but amazing this season. He actually ranks as the number five wide receiver over all wide receivers, which is insane. Um, don't get me wrong, that's not where I would rank him amongst the wide receivers, but the Jaguars, the, their offense you can't truly trust. But he's honestly making me consider him as a wide receiver too if he keeps up this level of consistency. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Chark does against uh, Marshawn Lattimore, who just shut down Mike Evans, uh, assuming the plans, the Saints plan to shadow him, uh, which I think they would at this point. Uh, the one game this year where he received consistent shadow coverage from elite corner, he went four for eight, uh, or four out of eight targets for 44 yards uh, against the Broncos and Chris Harris Jr. Yeah, well, okay. Well, the one thing I would say to that is Chark actually scored in that Broncos game as well, but it, but it was called back, so he could have a touchdown in every game so far this season. And the Broncos, I think, are a better defense than New Orleans, and number ones have succeeded against New Orleans. Weeks one through three, you had Hopkins, you had Cup, and you had Lockett all succeed. But yeah, they the New Orleans Marshawn coverage has been able to stop wide receivers as of late. So maybe that's something they're rallying around in that defense. But if you're getting four for 44 and that's the floor for this guy, you're going to be super happy with that success off of waiver wires. So I'm I'm hesitant too, but I can't ignore that productivity. I, I'd definitely take another pickle bet on this one if you're, if you're willing to participate. 
Okay. All right. So we got DJ Chark. He's projected for at least 13 fantasy points this week. Um, is that so you think that's a pickle bet we can make if he actually achieves that projection or overshoots it? Or you want to throw it up a little bit more? Yeah, I'd say like 15. 15? Yeah. I'll take it 15. I'm okay with that. All right. So 15 fantasy points this week for DJ Chark. Okay. All right. I got, the, I got the under. All right. I'll take that pickle bet. Perfect. All right. Man, I'm, I'm going to be eating a lot here, I'm sure. <laughs> Okay, next we got um, a player that I'm keeping an eye on from the Crow's Nest. We got Gardner Minshew and D.D. Westbrook. Um, if you're streaming quarterbacks, Gardner Minshew might be like a, a good spot start, essentially, if if you're a little bit desperate. He's been he's been balling out. He's been doing really well. And New Orleans is a beatable is beatable through the air and not as tough away outside of the Superdome. So Minshew has scored at least 16 points in every fantasy game this season. So he's a he's a decent streamer for you against a uh, Kind of cushy matchup, as long as they're not in the Superdome. Um, what about Didi Westbrook? How you feel on him? Uh, I think Didi is trying to find his uh, his his place in the offense with Gardner Minshew. Obviously, he came into the season with pretty big expectations after showing a, a, a good, nice rapport with Nick Foles and fin- finishing the year strong last year. Hasn't gotten the same attention from Minshew as he was from Foles. I could see him uh, slowly starting to inch forward and getting uh, production similar to what Jarvis Landry got when he was in Miami, where you're going to see a, an odd stat line, something going like seven of 10 targets for 80 yards. I think his floor is going to rise, but his ceiling is going to stay capped at, a, at around under under 20 points a game. But I see him being a safer play as the season goes on. Yeah, I hear you. He, he's kind of someone you're shooting around like 10 to 15 points is essentially his floor to ceiling. So that's a good flex play uh, if you're getting that consistently. And he's gotten five targets in every game this week. Um, he, he's kind of that full floor play for me. Chark's obviously the, the wide receiver with the biggest upside in this offense. All that being said, um, New Orleans has become kind of a grinder team, uh, in these, in, since they've lost Drew Brees and they've learned that that's their formula to win is to hold onto the ball, keep it tight, keep it ugly. And, uh, if that's the case and you're going to see a lot less of that Jacksonville Jaguar offense on the field and you might not see that type of production from anybody. Yeah. Um, We'll see. We'll see. I, I I definitely like both these offenses going into the game. So I think it'll be a fun little New Orleans versus Jaguars. They've both played a lot better than I expected after their injuries to their starting quarterback. So it's exciting these times. A player I wanted to keep an eye on, but unfortunately can't anymore, was James O'Shaughnessy at the tight end position. He was quietly having a top 12 tight end season so far this season but then he tore his ACL last game so he's going to be out for the remainder of the season and looking at his replacements there's really not a tight end that's stepped up in the same capacity so he's kind of someone that's going to be off our list from moving forward for this matchup I'm going to say mopping the poop deck for me is going to be Leonard Fournette um, Fournette has been awesome. He's reached double-digit fantasy points in every game this season. So he's an RB2 that you really can't afford to sit, but just downgrade expectations because New Orleans does rank 29th against the run, and New Orleans is obviously, they're going to focus on stopping the run and putting the game in Minshew's hands. So that's going to—that's the formula against Jacksonville, and luckily Minshew has kept it on enough where you have to respect him, but I expect him to get closer to, Leonard Fournette, that is, to get closer to the 15 points he put up against Tennessee, which is a similarly tough defense. What, what about you, Mario? How are you feeling on that? Yeah, I think you have to temper expectations with Fournette this week. New Orleans has shown the ability to bottle up the run. 
yes, Minshew has uh, become a more competent quarterback over the last few weeks. But uh, I, if the if the focus is going to be on uh, Fournette, keeping Fournette contained, I don't think Minshew is going to be good enough to move the ball consistently and get the chains going. So uh, I would be I would be hesitant to depend on Fournette, but if he's your RB two at this point, you're still going to be okay with the production you get out of him. Just don't expect that big explosive game that we've seen in, in a couple or two weeks ago or last week. Yeah, I, w- I would completely agree with that. Perfect. So then, moving on for our last morning game, essentially is that we're going to cover here is going to be your Bengals at Ravens. And I get it. I know it's hard to trust any Bengals right now. Their O line has been destroyed regularly. But receiving the booty for me for his consistency on this team is Tyler Boyd. Baltimore is one of the easier defenses through the air and ranking 10th against wide receivers. And Boyd is just receiving a monster target share this year um, with all the other starters injured. So he's he's someone I actually think you can start with confidence. How are you feeling that? Yeah, Boyd had a, a nice bounce back game last week. Um, I also... Maybe not with confidence, but as a bye week fill in, uh, I would look at Auden Tate. I think he's had uh, seven targets a game since John Ross went down and um, has shown that he has the talent to uh, actually produce in the NFL. So if he's getting that kind of target share, his floor is something like a 10 to 12 points, which if you need a bye week fill in or you have some injuries, you might be going with. Yeah, it's crazy for the Bengals. Like the starting, like receiving core that they started out with, and now they're here with Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. This was not the season they were expecting for their wide receivers, but oh, yeah, but, but they they have filled in quite nicely. They they have a good rotation going on, which is it could be a lot worse. I was excited for the Bengals after that Week One game against Seattle. That yeah, just didn't didn't go the way. Yeah, yeah that offense was humming with the their new offensive coordinator. He mm-hmm. he definitely got them moving. Zach Taylor coming off that McVay tree, he he got this offense looking quite different. And honestly, with with what he's gotten, I think it's been decent. Like they are obviously getting murdered, but again, that's O line play, and that's destroying a lot of talented teams. As like the Browns as an example, that all that talent behind the bad offensive line, you just can't get the ball to your playmakers. All right, so we got Mop in the poop deck for us. Um, Not necessarily because of the matchup, but because of the offense, it's going to be Joe Mixon. He's just not someone that I've been excited to rely upon, so he's being downgraded for me this week. Baltimore's kind of middle of the pack. They, like, rank 15th against the run, but their, their defense has been susceptible. But I'm not sure that this offense is necessarily the offense that can take advantage of it. Any disagreements there? No, um, I Joe Mixon's a talented guy, and uh, I feel bad for him as it, it's been a rough year. But uh, you can chalk it up to, to quite a bit of factors there as far as opportunity, uh, game script, and Andy Dalton. Yeah, it's tough. Last year he was able to produce regardless of the incompetent offense, but two years in a row he just couldn't do it, and I, I don't blame him. I was shocked he put up the productivity he put up last year. So that's kind of why I I just didn't believe again, and I was lucky to be right on that one. So next on, we got the Ravens, and we got Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram, and Mark Andrews, and they're all receiving the booty for me. Lamar struggled last week against Pittsburgh, but they're a very good defense. Cincinnati is not. They are going to run the ball down Cincinnati's throats. Cincinnati ranks as the second worst run defense in the NFL for fantasy. You saw Kyler Murray get productivity. You saw David Johnson get productivity last week. I think Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram are going to be doing two of the same to Cincinnati. They're not going to be able to stop it. And for Mark Andrews, this is technically a tough matchup. Cincinnati ranks 26 against the tight end. But I think those numbers are a little bit skewed with the success of everybody else. It's, it's just hard to feed all those mouths. But I think Mark Andrews is 
too talented of a tight end to to sit regardless of the matchup, essentially. He's getting off of injury, and he's fully healthy. I think all three of them are going to be a go this week. Yeah, I think uh, Andrews is clearly the number one pass catcher in that offense, and it's it's been pass catchers that do well against the, the Bengals. If he's the one that's getting the targets, he's going to produce. Yeah. So someone that I'm kind of keeping a crow's nest eye on, I think, is Marquise Brown. He got a little bit banged up in this last game, so keep an eye out for that injury report. But I, th- I think I expect him to put up somewhere similar to what John Brown does. They're kind of, it's crazy, both Browns are a little bit attached in the sense that like they, they kind of have the same performances and the same ceiling to me. They're, they're people that like, they sit at 60 points a piece before this matchup. And so I think they're going to be put like similar throughout the whole year. And so he's kind of looking at nine and a half points for me this, this week. Um, you think that, that I just think the Ravens are going to focus on running the ball a lot more. And like you said, Mark Andrews is going to be the target that they hit first before Marquise Brown. Now don't get me wrong. If he busts a deep one, that's awesome. But Throwing the injury in there and all that stuff, I think that's why he's kind of just a crow's nest flex play for me. I think he's going to be upgraded a little bit, but we will see not someone I'm thrusting in as like a wide receiver two, three, um, someone you have to debate on. A After bit. the first couple of weeks of the season, people were looking at him like he was a, a wide receiver two with upside. And I think you need to temper those expectations. I think he is a flex play with upside. And uh, if he gets you nine to 10 points, that should be his floor. But the guy has the ability to break one at any given moment. So you you put him in there with the thought that he could be where he is essentially a boomer bust play. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, guys. So that that was going to be all the morning games, and and that's going to be our podcast for this week. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening on everybody, and uh, hopefully, just keep coming back each week. And we're going to keep fine tuning this thing, and we're going to keep it going with the starts, sits, upgrades, and downgrades for each week to help you win your fantasy leagues. Um, I'm Robert, your fantasy captain, and that was Mario. The fantasy professor. <laughs> and thanks for thanks for having us today, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Take care. Oh.